0: Welcome back to some of you who have been away from church because of illness. It's wonderful to see you feeling better and back with us, and welcome back to some of you who have been out of city, out of province, in fact, uh, out of country, and you are back. God bless you. We're glad to see each one of you. Would you take your Bibles now and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, for today's message? And our theme is, Tremendous Truths from Thursday Evening. Tremendous Truths from Thursday Evening. That that may not sound like an exciting title, but it uh, is a very important title because we are studying what happened on the Thursday evening before the Friday when Jesus was crucified. And there are so many tremendous truths for us to uncover We don't don't have time to get into every pertinent truth, but we will focus on some of them that I believe can really impact your life and mine. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 26 tells us of several events. For instance, it tells us of the plot to kill Jesus. It speaks of Jesus being anointed at Bethany, Judas agrees to betray Jesus, and then It tells us of the Last Supper. And then when we come to verse 31, we learn of how Jesus predicts that all of his disciples will desert him. And a special reference is made to Peter. And then a little bit later, we are told of how Jesus and the disciples went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and we read of what happened there. Now, the dialogue that we are just about to read, beginning at verse 31 probably took place on the way from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, perhaps around 11 p.m. on the Thursday evening before the Friday on which Jesus was crucified. And here is what Matthew 26, beginning in verse 31, says. On the way, that is, on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. By... By the way, if, if ever you have a chance to go on the Holy Land tour, you'll have the privilege of going into the Garden of Gethsemane, which is very, very special. And so, on the way, Jesus told them, "'Tonight all of you will desert me, "'for the Scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd, "'and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. "'But after I have been raised from the dead, "'I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there.'" Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Let's pause right there. My friends, as we begin to focus on the words that we just read, one of the first truths that strikes me that I want you to focus on with me today is this. Truth number one is face reality. Face reality, and this truth comes to my mind from verse 31, which essentially says, on the way Jesus told them, tonight all of you will Desert me. You will desert me. He didn't say, Some of you will desert me. Look at the verse on the screen. He didn't say, All of you might desert me. He said, All of you will desert me. Jesus knew what lay ahead. And he faced reality. Jesus was no easy optimist who closed his eyes to the facts. The facts as he knew them. Instead, he faced reality. By the way, some of you might be wondering where the second half of verse 31 comes from, which says, for the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered If you're wondering where that's from, this is is a prophecy from the Old Testament in Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7, which essentially was predicting how in the future, God the Father would allow the shepherd, referring to Jesus, to die for our sins. Zechariah predicted that the sheep, referring to Jesus' disciples, would scatter Essentially, Jesus knew what the prophet Zechariah had said hundreds of years earlier. And Jesus knew all of his disciples would unfortunately desert him. And the bottom line, as you and I think of the scene, the bottom line is Jesus faced reality, and so often in life, you and I must also face reality in so many areas of life that we go through. For example, every year you and I have to face the reality that we have to do our income tax papers by the end of April or we will get into unnecessary trouble with Revenue Canada. And you don't want that and I don't want that for you either. How many of you, by the way, have already filled out your income tax tax papers and sent them in. How many of you have? have? Put your hand up. There are some. There are some. (laughs) All right. How many of you will be getting a tax refund? How many of you? All right. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. You know what that means. That means you will be able to give a more generous offering for world missions this year. That's great. That's great. That's, That's good news. Praise the Lord, Pastor Lisa. All right. Yes. We have to face reality in so many aspects of life. Another example, if you have discovered that you have a health problem, if you have a health challenge, don't don't ignore it. I find that sometimes people just ignore and pretend it's not there, and it gets worse. Face reality. Pray for the Lord's help. Cooperate with your doctor to to experience victory over your health problem, whatever it might be. And then when I think of students, students, it is important for you to get a good education, face reality, and study hard, study hard. Do your best, and trust the Lord for the rest. Amen. Amen? Amen. My my wife my wife has been doing a course every semester after her regular job at University of Toronto and and I, I get so blessed, I get I get so blessed when she gets when she gets a letter from the university saying, Dear Cindy Stavropoulos you have been awarded a scholarship, which she can use for her next course. Praise God when that happens. Amen? All right. Here's another area where we must face reality. There's the area of relationships. The truth is, sometimes people will let you down. Sometimes people who are the closest to you will disappoint you, abandon you, and cause you, unfortunately, much pain. Think about it. It was the disciples, the people who were closest to Jesus, the the people he... He was supposed to be able to trust who deserted him. Isn't that something? If it happened to Jesus, it can happen to you and to me. Right? Make it your goal. Make it your goal to not hurt, to not let down your wife, your husband, your child, your mother, your father, your friend, whomever. The reality is, however, occasionally you might end up hurting someone, probably by accident. Occasionally someone might end up hurting you, most likely by accident, and on occasion perhaps deliberately. What should you do? Well, do as Jesus did. Love, forgive, and move forward in your life. Amen? Love, forgive, and move forward. Then there, are, then there are occasions when you and I have to face the reality that there is a little job or a, or a big job at home that needs to be done. Anybody have a little job or a big job that needs to be done at, at your apartment or at your house? Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Let me see. Let me see. Is it just at my house or is it everyone's? Lots of places, Right? For example, at the, at the entrance of our house, where we've lived for 27 years, the entrance of our house, we had one of the light fixtures, which is supposed to go on when you get to your door at night, so that you can see to put the key at, into the door. You know, we, we've had one of these light fixtures, I don't know, I probably installed it back when we first moved into the house. And then about two years ago, two years ago, the light fixture stopped working properly, sometimes going on and sometimes off, um, not lighting up when it was supposed to. Well, I remember one or two years ago, I I bought a new light fixture. I bought a new light fixture. I think I saw it on special, and I thought, okay, I need one of those. I got to replace the front one, the old one, in front of the main entrance, So I got that light fixture, and I put it on the shelf in our laundry room. I put it on the shelf in the laundry room. And many times, many times, George, when I would go into that laundry room, I would see that light fixture on the shelf, and I would say to myself, one of these days, when I find the time, I need to replace the old fixture with a new one. One of these days. I knew how how to do it, and I, I estimated the job would take about an hour, but I also knew that if, if a part was missing or something didn't line up, what, what is a one hour job could turn into a, a five or six hour job, which I didn't have the time for. So I kept putting it off, putting it off. Finally, uh, about a month ago, my wife cracked the whip. <laughs> you know what that means? If you don't know what it means, ask Pastor Lisa. So finally about a month ago my wife cracked the whip and I faced reality and I replaced the broken down old entrance light fixture with a new one and praise God it only took me I think an hour to an hour and a half. And so think about it. Do you have to face reality and do a job at home which you've been intending to get to for the last one year or two years? or three years, or five years. Most of you aren't like me. You, you, you do things right away, right? You do things right away. I think some spouses were just elbowing, elbowing someone beside them, right? And, and after this, after this uh, sermon point, I am sure that my wife will remind me of... Uh, many other jobs at home that I still have to do. And she'll probably crack the whip up again. So Pastor Lisa, I might need your help to defend me. <laughs> well, before I move on to the next uh, truth, face the reality. Face the reality that you should go to a lawyer and get your will, get your will and power of attorney papers done. Don't keep putting it off. I try to mention this occasionally. I don't know, once or twice a year because it's so important. Get your will done and all the other legal matters pertaining to it and the power of attorney papers and health uh, issues and all, all of those things. Amen? All right, let me take you to a second important truth that we see or I see from the scripture that we just read. And the second truth is this. Focus on good news... And don't get stuck on bad or sad news. This truth comes from verse 32. Why don't you read verse 32 with me from the big screen? But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Obviously, it's Jesus that is speaking these words. Jesus gave them the bad and the the sad news that they would all desert him, but he didn't stop there. All right? I want you to notice it. He didn't stop there. He said what he said in verse 32 that we just read. Now here is an example of how human nature, what we just see here, is an example of how human nature tends to focus on the bad and sad news instead of the good news. Think about this. I would have thought, I would have thought that some of the disciples would have said, Jesus, Lord, tell us of how you will be raised from the dead and how you will meet us in Galilee. I I was expecting, after what Jesus told them about rising from the dead and and going ahead in the north, in Galilee, to meet them, I would have thought some of them would have been saying, wow, this is something. Tell us, Jesus, how this is going to happen. However, when you you read what happened, you see that none of the disciples, none of the disciples even asked to hear more about Jesus being raised from the dead. If you look at your Bible, you'll see they don't don't say anything. Instead, Peter Peter (laughs) goes into a speech of how even if everyone else deserts him, Peter won't. Peter won't. My friends, I want us to think about this truth as it applies to your life and mind. Focus on good news and don't get stuck on bad or sad news repeatedly. For instance, when you go home, when you go home from work or school, share with your family, share with your family and friends some good news about your day. Share the the good news. Yes, you you might tell them about something bad or unfortunate that happened in your day. But don't get stuck. Don't get stuck just on the negative stuff. Are you with me now? When you go home from grocery shopping, don't just talk about the, the sale item which they ran out of because it was such a bargain and you're so disappointed and upset about it. Talk about, talk about the cashier who was so wonderful and sweet and kind and, and was so courteous and was such a blessing. Amen. Focus on the good things that happened while you were grocery shopping. Recently I appreciated hearing, I was so grateful to hear one of our ladies uh, who had been in hospital for an extended period of time. She she told me, she told me of how of how wonderful and helpful and and encouraging the nurses were to her in the hospital and, and how wonderful the food was and, and, and what, a, what a blessing it was to just even be in the hospital as she was recovering. And I thought, wow, isn't this marvelous? She focused on the good news and didn't get stuck on the bad or the sad news. By the way, when you go home from church on any Sunday, on any Sunday, focus on the good things that happen and don't get stuck on some little thing that didn't quite go right. Amen? Are you focusing on good news? Do so. Make a decision to do so. Let me take us now to a third discovery from the scripture that we read, and it is this. Be careful not to become overconfident in yourself. Read it out loud with me from the big screen. Be careful not to become overconfident in yourself. This truth uh, comes out clearly, I would say, beginning at verse 33. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. That's what he says to Jesus. Verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will, deny, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Now clearly, Peter is showing overconfidence in himself. Would you agree with me? Yes, yes. Now, I, I'm, I'm trying to actually be very careful with what I say here, because as most of you know, I regularly, I regularly try to build up your confidence, whether you realize it or not. I, as a pastor, I try to build up your confidence. When my children were growing up, I tried to build up their confidence, and now even as young adults, I'm still trying to build up their confidence, and, and I believe that that's what we should do. At the same time, we have, to be, we have to be careful not to overdo it. Stick with me. In the case of Peter, he knew that he loved Jesus, right? That was never in doubt. And he thought that all by himself, he could face any situation that might arise. So he says, I'm never going to abandon you, Jesus. Never, 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 never. Those other guys might, but no, not me. No. A few hours later, however, Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times. I was reading in the Life Application Bible where the writer who is commenting on verse 35, the writer says this. He says, all the disciples declared that they would die before denying Jesus. A few hours later, however, they all scattered. And then he says, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And he says, it is easy to say we are devoted to Christ, but our claims are meaningful only when they are tested in the crucible of persecution. And he asks the question, how strong is your faith? Is it strong enough to hold up under intense trial? Amen? Sometimes, sometimes a good-intentioned Christian might say, as did Peter, Jesus, I will never let you down. Be careful. May it be that you and I will never let Jesus down, but Let's not become overconfident. Sometimes a good, a good-intentioned parent, a well-intentioned parent might say, Oh, my son, my son or daughter will never, oh, my son or daughter will never get in trouble with the law. Be careful. You gotta keep your eye on him or her and pray for them constantly. Other times a careless and overconfident husband or wife might say something might say something like uh, no matter what i do no matter what i do my husband or my wife will never leave me. You're dreaming. <laughs> Be careful. Don't get overconfident. On occasion a person might say no matter how much i sin god will forgive me. That's true. That's true. If you ask for forgiveness, God will forgive you. But sometimes sometimes it can be very hard for other people to forgive you. And sometimes it's the most difficult to forgive yourself. Amen. For example, Judas Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Listen, listen to what Matthew chapter 27 Beginning in verse 3 says, Matthew 27, beginning in verse 3. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to death, he was filled with remorse. He was filled with remorse. In other words, he was very sorrowful. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care? What do we care, they retorted, that's your problem. And then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. What does that tell us? It tells us that the Judas couldn't turn back the clock. Judas couldn't turn back the clock and he, he couldn't live with himself. A few months ago, Most of you probably know about this. A few months ago, a a young man in our city was probably overconfident and thought, he thought that he he could drink alcohol and he could still drive. And the the result was that his drinking and driving ended up killing three precious children from the same family, plus their grandfather. That young man cannot turn back the clock. And now he is waiting for the judge to decide how many years he will spend in jail. My friends, what we're saying is, be careful whatever circumstance in life you find yourself in, be careful not to become overconfident. On the one hand, be confident, but don't go to the extreme and be overconfident. There's a fourth truth that I want to ask you to focus your attention upon, and it is this. Fourth tremendous truth from the evening, Thursday evening. Spend time in prayer before major events in your life. This truth certainly comes across in verses 36 to 46, where we see how On the evening of the day before Jesus was crucified, he went into the garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed. And starting at verse 36, here's what happens. Matthew 26, verse 36 says this. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished. He became anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Verse 40, then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again, and then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest, but look. The time has come. The Son of Man, referring to himself, Jesus. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. My betrayer is here. The word Gethsemane, where Jesus and the group went to pray, probably means olive press, and it was a garden of olives where he went to pray. My friends, what we see happening here with Jesus going into the garden to pray is a powerful lesson for you and for me to spend time in prayer before major events in your life, even before minor events, but especially before major events. And all of us will end up defining major events in different ways, right? But I want you to think of how in prayer, in prayer, you and I can be honest. We can be honest about our pain. Be honest about about your pain with friends and definitely with the Lord. We see how, how Jesus was honest about his pain. In in verses 38 and 39. Verse 38, he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. In verse 39, he says, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. My friends in prayer, be honest with the Lord. Don't pretend. You can be honest about your feelings, your upsetness, your your hurt, your emotional pain, your, your physical pain. Don't pretend. In prayer, you can also seek to surrender your will to God's will. This is what we see happening here with Jesus. In verse 39, for example, the last part of verse 39, Jesus says, Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Your will, Heavenly Father, be done in my life. I want you to also notice that in prayer you can realize that you might feel loneliness. You might feel loneliness. We see the loneliness that Jesus felt throughout the reading of verses 40 to 45, we see Jesus' loneliness. Jesus took with him his three chosen disciples, but they were so exhausted. They were so tired with the drama of that day that they could not even stay awake and pray with him for an hour or however long it was. One author says this. He says, Jesus had to fight His battle all alone. That also is true for us all. There are certain things we must face and certain decisions we must make in the awful loneliness of our own souls. There are times when other helpers fail and comforts flee. But in that loneliness there is for us the presence of one who in Gethsemane experienced it and came through it. Did you hear that last part? In that loneliness, there is for us the presence, the presence, the presence. As Rayanne sang earlier, there is for us the presence of one who in Gethsemane experienced it and came through it. I want to also. I want to also have us notice that prayer will help you to face your trial with courage. Prayer will help you to face your trial with courage because when we come to verse 45, we read, Then he came to the disciples, Jesus, and said, Go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And here we see Jesus' courage. Up, let's be going. Look, my my betrayer is here. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, disciples, it is time for me to face what's coming and I face it I face it courageously as you pray regarding whatever situation you are wrestling with prayer will help you to face your trial with courage and so my friends Reflect upon these tremendous truths. Tremendous truths from the Thursday evening. The first truth was what? Face reality. Secondly, focus on good news and don't get stuck on bad or sad news. Thirdly, be careful not to become overconfident in yourself. And fourth, spend time in prayer before major events in your life. As we sing this song today, it may be that some of you will want to step forward and kneel or stand around this altar. And some of you may want to pray about the need for you to face reality in terms of a situation that that you are going through. Amen? Talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I've got got to deal with this issue. I've got to deal. Maybe it's a small issue. Maybe it's a big issue. But talk to the Lord and say, Lord, with your help, I'm going to face this reality. Amen? Some of you, Some of you may want to talk to the Lord and say, you know what, dear God, I've got to get more into this this truth about about focusing on on good news and not getting so stuck on on bad news or sad news. Listen, I have to. We all have to deal with sad news, with, with bad news. I'm not suggesting we deny that, not one bit. But overall, as we journey in life, let's... Focus and give God thanks for the many good things that happen in your life and mine. Would you stand? Would you stand? And if there's anyone here that's been that's been uh, getting overconfident, overconfident, or as uh, I think one of the dictionaries that I uh, looked at, too cocky, too cocky. There's some other words then make a decision to find the right balance. Find the right balance. And then others of you may want to spend and need to spend some time in prayer about some other major event in your life. Take these moments to pray. God hears us. The major event in your life can be different, far different for you than for someone else. But let me also say, the major event that needs to happen in everyone's life is we need to come to a point of repenting of our sins, believing that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and mine, and saying, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my life. I dedicate my life to you. For some of you, you need to make that decision today. You've been putting it off for whatever reasons. And you need to make a decision before it's too late. The truth is, none of us knows, no one knows how long we will live. We have to be ready to go, ready to stay in this life. We have to be ready to meet the Lord at any time. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Maybe the major The major prayer and the major decision you need today to make is to fully surrender your heart, your life to our Lord Jesus Christ.